Yeah, well, it didn't seem like too much of a big deal at first, but he kind of told me that it meant a lot to him. So I was glad I was able to help. Okay, I jotted down four bullet points. Do you think that's enough for me to go off of? Yeah, sure. What are your bullet points? Well, I'm not wearing my glasses, so I think it says watermelon. Watermelon? Oh, no, that says transformation. I think you need to put your glasses on. (laughs) I'm kidding. I can read it, kind of. You transform a watermelon seed into a watermelon, and then you cut it up and it becomes food. Wow. Lewis of last year was a little watermelon seed, and he's going to grow into a watermelon plant. (laughs) You're nuts. Uh, You don't think that works? No. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well... This is, okay, well, this is what I wrote down. This is the final episode in the four-part series telling the story of Lewis over the last year. So, first of all, if you haven't listened to the first three episodes, you've got to hear the rest of the story before you get to this point. Because this is where it really comes down to it. But also listening to where Lewis is now won't mean as much or it won't resonate as much if you haven't heard where he's come from. So I definitely encourage you to go check out the first three episodes in this mini-series. What we've talked about so far is Lewis starting at a new school and feeling really lonely, feeling like he wasn't even really going to bother reaching out to anybody. He ended up becoming part of a group of friends that really meant a lot to him, but it turned out, I guess I'll just say they were a lot more violent than he was really ready for. And so over the course of the weeks and the months that he spent with them and sort of getting exposed to how far they were really willing to take things, he actually decided that he wanted to change his friend group and align himself with the victim of their bullying rather than with the bullies themselves. And so what we talked about last time was how difficult that was and some of the yeah some of the choices that he went through in that time. But there's more to this story than that because this isn't a story of oh wow things were kind of difficult sometimes. This is a story of transformation. And so what Lewis has done is not just navigate that difficult experience, but has come out on the other side, a better person and someone who makes a difference in the lives of the people around him. That was not bad for four bullet points. You have to give me some credit. That was excellent. Good job. Do you think I'm being like overly flattering to make you sound good for the podcast? 
No, I mean, I am good, so it's okay for you to make me sound good. <laughs> but you know this is genuinely what I think of you, right? Oh, kind of. You tell me all the time. Okay. So did you know that a kangaroo can jump higher than a house? Did I know that a kangaroo can jump higher than a house? Yeah. The kangaroo can, you know, kind of use his hind legs to jump really high. And he can use a lot of force, but a house can't jump at all. <laughs> all right. Okay, not bad. Not bad. I was like, biologically speaking, I think... I don't think I agree with this one, but you're not wrong. Okay, buddy boy. So we're going to, we're just going to go for it. We don't have anything prepared and we're going to watch this story unfold before our eyes. So I think the place to pick up the story is moving to a new school. Yeah, well... The school wasn't as big. It's not as big as this other school. But I mean, that's not really the point. And this time, I didn't go with the attitude of, you know, I'm not going to not make any friends. Because I kind of realized that friends were more important, you know, than even if you can't hang out with them for a long time you can still kind of have fun while you're there so yeah I met the kid in my math club and I talked to him and he seemed pretty nice but I didn't know what he was going through until I saw it and, you know, I saw some kids kind of making fun of him, kind of like the same thing with Matthew. Um, he liked to wear clothes that were, had a lot of glitter and pink and stuff like that. And the kids, especially the boys, I mean, they didn't like it too much. So they kept calling him a lot of names. And I guess I kind of thought about Matthew and the name calling and stuff. So sometimes things kind of start small just with calling someone names. But in the end, I mean, they get bigger and it can really mess with someone's life. So, like, I was afraid that. The name calling, which seems kind of innocent, but it could turn into something more serious. Like, you know, how Matthew, he tried to kill himself because of what he went through. And it wasn't just one time. It was at least like three times I know of. And that was kind of because of what we put him through. And I didn't want the other kid, Ethan, to go through that. So I kind of talked to my foster dad about it today. And he told me a story 
And the story was about bullying and this teacher that he knew, he had some students and he put them like in a line and he handed them a piece of paper and he told the kids to crumble the paper up and spit on it and like throw it on the ground and stomp on it. But, and then they told him to pick the paper up and then tell the paper, sorry. So, you know, obviously you can't fix the paper. You can't put it back to the way it was. So kind of thought, you know, you can say sorry as many times as you want, but it's never going to change the damage that was done. So that's kind of why I told you about Ethan. And, you know, we were talking and you told me that talking to him and being his friend could kind of change his life or save his life, I think you said. And I thought, that's not true. But the more I think about it, it really is. Because I think if he could have one person to have his back and to try to help the bullying and stuff, then that could make a big difference and that can potentially kind of save his life. So with the story of the paper, it sounded like you were kind of recognizing, well, I can't undo what I did last year, but I can do something different this time. Yeah, uh, that's, that was what I was thinking about. I mean, I didn't want to make the mistake and do the same thing. I wanted to help him instead. Well, I mean, I saw him like at lunch and stuff. And I saw people making fun of him and they were telling him that he was a girl. And you could tell he was pretty upset. And to be honest with you, I was kind of afraid to talk to him at first because I thought, you know, if I hung out with him, then people would think badly of me and I didn't want to kind of run the friendships that I had because I have quite a few friends I guess and I didn't want to risk losing them but I thought about it more and I talked to you about it and I decided I was just going to go for it And there was this one time he was wearing a shirt. It was like pink and it was tie-dye. And as far as I know, you know, he really liked the shirt. He was proud of it. But the kids, they, they didn't like it. So, you know, they were calling him a fag and stuff and they put, ketchup on his shirt 
So he left somewhere. I mean, I don't know where he went, but when I got back to class, I didn't see him there because I had this class with him. And I text you and I'm like, well, I told you what happened. And I said, I don't see Ethan in my class. Mm -hmm. So I went to try to find him. And I went like around the hallways and stuff. And then I went inside a bathroom and he was in the bathroom and he wasn't wearing a shirt. He was trying to wash it in the sink and he couldn't put his shirt back on because it was all wet. So I, um, he told me that he had a, like a pullover in his backpack that he was going to put on. So I went back into the classroom and I told the teacher that I was getting something out of my bag and I got his pullover and then I went back into the bathroom and I gave him the pullover to wear and he was pretty thankful. He kept thanking me um, for getting the shirt and I think it made him feel better. It made him feel like at least someone cared. Yeah, I mean, that sense of not one person is going to stand up for me. Not one person has my back. The assumption that you can, like when you're feeling that way, the assumption that you can make about the world is that you don't matter to anyone else. It doesn't matter whether you're there or not. And so I can definitely tell you whether it was that specific incident or just, just, the fact in general that you started to talk with him and spend time with him that yeah like i guess i, I just want to be really clear for anybody listening that we're we're definitely talking about i mean we're talking about anti-bullying and about how to not be a bystander and mental wellness of young people particularly young people who are targeted for their gender identity or gender expression I guess I don't know what to say from that. Um, pat yourself on the back. Uh, okay. Another thing that I love about that story is that you were kind of doing similar stuff to what you did last year. And what I mean by that is you skipped class, you lied to your teacher, you singled out another student, It kind of and so on. And, and and I guess you mean like you didn't go to the teacher and say, you know, so-and-so is getting targeted. You took it into your own hands. You kind of almost really went behind the back of your teacher to do what you needed to do to help out this other student. And I think that's, I just love that it's tactics that you've used in the past to do whatever you wanted to do, you know, but this time you did it to help somebody else. Yeah. Well, I kind of got in a little bit of trouble for it, but it wasn't too bad. What? You got in trouble for helping another student who had been assaulted? Well, I got in trouble for skipping class. 
because I already went to the bathroom once and then I went back. So, and I didn't really tell him what the story was. I didn't really care at the time. They don't always pay attention and they see like all the bullying and stuff happening and they'll just say something like stop, but they don't do much about it. Like we were in Zoom last year and the bullying was real bad, like in the middle of Zoom and all they would say was stop. And nothing really happened. And we would stop for a little bit, but then it would just continue the next day. Right. Because the word stop is not the word heal or repair, and it's not the word change or transform. Stop is really just... I guess, an intervention on a specific moment, but it doesn't change what's going on or do anything to heal from what happened. Right. I mean, it's like in the cafeteria with the ketchup. Like, what are the odds that there was not one single adult present? Like, do you think it's actually possible that not one teacher noticed what happened to Ethan's shirt? Yeah, I mean, someone probably noticed I didn't see anyone there but you know it was right out in the open and like everyone could see so I'm I'm sure someone probably noticed and maybe they said stop but that's it maybe I don't know what happened then right fair enough but you know what happened next And not necessarily what happened next, like, that day, but what happened... Tell me a bit more about what happened over the next couple of weeks with Ethan and the kinds of stuff that you tried to do to help. Well, I started talking to Ethan online. You know, after that, we wanted to play some games together. So I got his gamer tag, and we hung out pretty much online. And I wanted to hang out with him more in person, but I was kind of afraid I would lose my friends, like I said before. But, you know, it got to the point where he was actually talking about how much it was affecting him. So I decided just kind of fuck it. I'll just hang out with him at school, too. And some of my friends were saying that we were boyfriends. So I lost some of my friends, you know, when I was talking to him, when I was hanging out with him. But those friends, I guess they really weren't my friends at all. You know, if they're just going to hang out with me when they agree with me. But when I'm talking to someone that they don't like. They say stuff like that to me. So 
they might have said they were my friends, but they weren't actually my friends to start with. So I didn't really care that much after that. What about getting called gay and all that stuff? Did that bother you? Well, I'm not gay, so they can say it as much as they want, but it doesn't make it true. And there's really nothing wrong with being gay. I mean, even if I was, because Ethan, I guess, I guess he's gay or something, but I don't care. I just want to hang out with them. That's another part of your transformation, because you probably wouldn't have said that a year ago. No, I wouldn't have said anything. I would have. I didn't really understand it, I guess. So I would have been the one making fun of people for being gay. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> Well, there's, there's one thing that you told me that I remember. You kind of talked about my race and that I've gotten made fun of it for it. And, you know, you're like, well, I could just stop being that race. And... Like, well, yeah, that's impossible. And it's the same thing for them. You know, they can't change something. And if they could have changed it, they would have changed it before. So it's, it's not really a choice. It's just how they are. Okay, so here's one thing I was thinking about, which is you... How do I say this? Because of your, either your self-confidence or your projection of self-confidence, your friendliness, your curiosity, your quickness to make other people laugh. Like, I, I, I guess I'm just saying you're socially capable. And most kids who are socially capable are also pretty socially powerful. And so what that means, for example, is that you can start at a new school in September and by October, you could be telling me, I have, a, I have a lot of friends. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. So, I mean, you're set back a little bit because you've moved schools so often, but I do think of you as a socially powerful kid. Yeah, I guess I haven't thought about it. But, I mean, I just try to talk to everyone. And if they like me, they like me. And if they don't, they don't. So, I mean, I guess I just try to be myself. And if they want to be my friend, they'll be my friend. Have you always been committed to being yourself? Or is that something that's grown, especially over the last year? It's something that's grown over the last year. I mean, when I was with that group of friends, it was kind of, you know, I was just acting 
like I was big and tough, I guess. And I didn't care about how other people felt. But, you know, I've, I've kind of learned that if I have to be like that to be someone's friend, then they're not really a good friend. And I just want to, I want to make friends that accept me kind of for who I am. So I don't have to pretend to be someone else. Huh. You know what? Uh, you know what just occurred to me is that maybe your process of gaining the social skills necessary to switch friends, the confidence to stand up to others, and I guess a better awareness of what authentic friendship looks like and feels like, and the determination to stand up for other people that you see need help. Like, I wonder if those practices that you started to do are actually how you built or I guess better became better able to access the social power that you have now. Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I never really thought about it. I just did what I thought was right. And I mean, I didn't, I've never thought about until today that I do have any social power at all. It's worth thinking about because one of the reasons to do nothing was that feeling of, well, you know, I don't have any influence on my peers. Like I couldn't make a difference. I don't keep because I don't have any social power. So even if I did say something, it wouldn't make a difference. So it kind of makes me think, like, do you have social power and then you make a difference? Or do you have social power because you make a difference? I guess it's probably because you can make a difference. I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't really know either. It's just something later. It's just something that occurred to me. What about, okay, to put it really simply, what about masculinity? And kind of what I mean by that is you're growing into who you're going to be as a young man. I think you've experienced and witnessed certain versions of masculinity that are dominated by kind of, like you said, toughness, that like, you know, don't be a pussy, throwing hands, all that kind of stuff. And I guess I wonder what comes to mind for you when you think of manhood and in particular your own manhood. Well, I mean, I guess what comes to mind is you don't have to act all tough and you don't have to hurt other people to be a man. I mean, you can, what really has been surprising, I guess, is I never used to really talk about feelings or anything like that. And I wouldn't try not to show any kind of weakness, but I guess you can still be a guy or a man or whatever without having to act 
put on an act and act tough and just I don't know mm-hmm well, because that's what you were doing in a lot of ways while you were sticking with that friend group that was crossing the line. You were sort of trying to meet them at that level of toughness. Yeah. And you don't, you really don't have to like put other people down. As far as my friends go, I guess that kind of makes them feel more masculine. But. I mean, there's all kinds of different guys and you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be like the stereotype. The other thing that kind of occurs to me on that point about toughness is like, I kind of feel like you have to be pretty tough to, to do what you did, right? To skip class, to, to, to look out for a kid that was hurt, to go get him that sweater and also to say, I'll stick with you and I'll hang out with you and I'll talk with you no matter what. Even though I'm going to get called a fag, even though I'm going to become targeted as well, like that requires a level of toughness as well. I didn't really think about it like that. I mean, I didn't think I was being tough. I just thought I wanted to help him because if it was me, I would want to be helped too. So. I guess maybe it might be tough, but that's not really how I felt. And I wasn't trying to be tough. I was just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. It, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing of what we just talked about with social power. That's like, uh, I, well, I, I guess, you know, I'm just sort of talking here. I'm not trying to make a point or anything like that, but it makes me feel that by doing the right thing, you do access toughness. Or sometimes you need to be tough to do the right thing instead of just trying to be tough and in doing so actually do the wrong thing. Uh, I did not put that in a very articulate way. <laughs> yeah, it made sense. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Well... Yeah, it's thought-provoking to me. And I love that, you know, I've been having these conversations for years, right? This is my full-time job, and here I am having my mind blown by an 11-year-old. Let's go. Why is your mind blown? Well, it's like a new way of answering the question of, like, how to how do you reconcile the either the cultural or internalized drive to be tough as a man with, but so how do you reconcile that with sort of more uh, empathetic feelings of, I want to help out another person and be emotionally responsive to that other person. I think those two things are often positioned as polar opposites. Like you're either tough and strong or you're empathetic and nurturing. And I think that your story 
is a new example of how those two things can actually be brought together in a really meaningful way. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's why my mind is blown. Yeah, okay. I just, I don't know, I don't know why you can't be both. I mean, why does it have to be one or the other? You can kind of just be whatever you want to be. And it doesn't make you not a man. Or not a boy. Like okay. Ethan. I mean, just because he wants to wear something different doesn't make him any less tough either. I mean, everybody is different, so that's a good thing because you don't want to be like everyone else. You just want to be yourself. Okay, so what's your final takeaway? We've talked about a lot of impactful stuff over this series. So there's no one you know, point to the story, but I'm wondering what's resonating with you most right now? What are you going to carry with? What are you going to be sure that you carry with you or you want to make sure that you that other people get that well I mean I guess this whole conversation kind of made me think about you know some kids are bullied just because they're different but and I guess <laughs> I didn't really think about any of this stuff, like the whole being masculine and having social power and stuff. So it was really interesting, I thought. And I guess I'll carry that with me. My name is Jonathan. My name is Lewis. And you're listening to Breaking the Boy Code. Where this young man has been and where he is now, this is the roadmap for the kind of future that we want to build for the next generation. To end cycles of violence, to change what bullying looks like, to change the landscape of mental health for young people. All of that is carried in the lives of young people today. So I just want to say that Lewis's story is a roadmap for tomorrow. I hope you've learned something from hearing his story. I hope that you take the time to share this story with somebody else, whether you recount it to a family member, maybe you play this podcast with your students. Whatever you can do to carry Lewis's story forward. This is how we're going to achieve the kind of change that we need to see in the world. Another big part of this work is organizations like Next Gen Men. I talk about it regularly, but Next Gen Men is my day job, and Next Gen Men Podcast Network is behind this series that we've just done together. The work that we do in changing our culture and transforming the lives of boys and young men, the foundation for that work is the membership community that upholds Next Gen Men. If you'd like to become part of that foundation, please visit nextgenmen.ca slash join. You can find me at breakingtheboycode at gmail.com 
or at Boy Podcast on social media. Okay, Lewis, one more time. I love you. You know, I'm thinking maybe we should do some more episodes in the future. I think I do want to wrap up this story just the way that we have, but I think that you ought to be like a recurring co-host as the, uh, yeah, as time goes on, because this has been really cool. That's really cool. I'm going to miss it because I don't know. I've liked talking to you and kind of spending time with you. and. I like how you make me think, you know, about stuff that I've never thought about before. So it's cool.